Hey, uh, so today's class has potential to be like the worst class I've ever done. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there, okay? But we're, I love wow. that. That's great. At least I'm honest, right? But it could be really good, too. But it's just because it's a, it's a topic that, is, that I want to talk about, but I'm going to share like about a friend that, that I get emotional about. So I could just go off the rails, and I'm just telling you, I'm not going to cry, but I could just like end up in like East Tennessee with this story and, you know, just have no point. So just bear with me. And forgive me if it's not good. Um, so, kind of today, I want to I want to share something that's been on my heart, and and it's and it's just an idea that that uh, I think I need to be focused on, but I think your age group needs to be focused on as well. What are you guys, by the way? Are y'all all millennials, or do you? What are you guys? Are you after that? Oh, you guys are screwed up, man. <laughs> no wonder I can't teach you anything. No, all right. All right, so what is, so what are you, a Gen Z? So, okay, so I don't know anything about you guys. And I don't even really know why I asked that question other than the fact that I learned, so I'm always trying to study about, like, the people I'm going to be hiring. So you guys are my next, like, I'm going to tell you in a second. You guys are my next, like, batch of future teachers. Not necessarily you in particular, but your age group. So, I, I like, millennials really mess with me because millennials, one thing I learned about millennials is they have a hard time being satisfied with where they're at. And, I, and I, what I mean by that is they have a hard time with like jobs, like they'll get a job, three years later they're looking for the next job. And I have, I struggle with that a little bit too, y'all. Like, I realize that I'm not a millennial and I'm not really the thing before millennials, which is what my age group is. I was born in 1979 and they say if you were born and from 1978 to 1984, you're in this like weird category because you're kind of a millennial, but you're a lot cooler. But, and you're kind of like, the, the previous generation, but you're a lot cooler than them too. So I guess like I'm the best. No, um, <laughs> but I'm kidding. But you guys are Generation Z, and so I don't know anything about that, so I'm going to move on. But if you are a millennial, I really do like millennials for the most part. This guy's going to tell us a joke. I'm kidding. Kidding. I heard he was really funny. I'm waiting for it. Um, but, but one thing that I think regardless of what generation you're in, whether you're a millennial, a Gen Z, or, or a baby boomer, is that what you are? She's not listening. Um, I think, I, I really started looking at it, this, this concept is like a generational thing, but as I started studying it, I think what I'm going to talk about impacts just mankind, and it's that idea of always wanting more. Like, Always, never being just completely satisfied with where you're at in this world. And, and, and I, it came to my heart because I was hanging out with my cousin who is y'all's age. And, and this dude has just graduated from college, has his dream job, is making like literally three times more than I'm making. Because he told me a salary. And he lives in Boston, Massachusetts in this nice little like loft. And he's all kind of got things going for him. But he's always looking for what's next, like he's not satisfied. He's got this job and he's talking about going on another job interview and, and looking for a new apartment. I was like, Dan, dude, you got it. Just enjoy where you're at. And he's like, oh, I know, I know. But this is what I'm, and he's always looking and I, and I try to talk to him. But then I realized I'm kind of like that too. Like when I got my first teaching job, the first thought I had was, 
I can't wait till I become an assistant principal because that's a fun job. And when I got my first assistant principal job, I can't wait till I become a principal because then I'll be, you know, the, the boss or whatnot. And then I get become a principal, I'm like, well, I can't wait till I become a superintendent because then I can really, I just have, I struggle with just being in the moment. And, and I, do y'all have this at all, like yeah. living for the day? What? Anybody want to share anything? Or I guess there's not really anything to share because I'm just talking. So I'll keep going. Um, I struggle with living in the moment. And I used to do it a whole lot worse. I, I used to really, really struggle with just being content until uh, a good friend of mine taught me how to live in the moment. So how many of you feel like you are content like 80% of the time? Or, or what percentage of the time do you feel like you're content? Does anybody want to share? How do you describe content? I don't know. How do you describe content? All right, let's break it down. What does it mean to be content? Well, you're not, you, you don't feel this pressure to be on the next step. Mm -hmm. So I'd say me, maybe like 60, 70%. So, I like, which I think is good. Yeah, I like my job. I like where I am. I like my church. I am. I, there's a little anxiety about hurry up and get into grad school. Mm -hmm. But well, the rest of my life. You do. You're young. And. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm getting there, y'all. You're a millennial. You're fine. I totally am. You don't even have a top sheet, you know? <laughs> um, well, anybody else, how often do you feel content? Do y'all feel content? Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. Carol Lamb. I, I feel content on Thursdays when I'm leaving work. Mm. Yeah. I got the weekend. Yeah. I don't work on Friday, so. It's living, yeah. And I, I feel like on Monday, I get up and I'm, and I, I really did like my job, so it's, that's my thing. What is it then? Why do we have a hard time just being, living in the moment is what I call it, living for that day. Why is it so hard? Does anybody have the answer? Why do you think it's so hard to just live in that moment? Because we want, we're so worried about what others are doing. So we're keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like I want to, my neighbor has a, a, a brand new, Ford, like my dream truck is this, like a brand new Ford F-150 that doesn't have any rust on it. If it's brand new, it wouldn't. That's all I want. Like, but, and every time, so I have a truck, and it's a great truck, but every time I see like a brand new Ford F-150, they're not even that great of trucks, but I get like really like, dude, I want that. Jealous. So, I feel you on that. And why else do we struggle with contentment? I think you get like an initial kind of like high from getting something new, mm -hmm. and then yeah. it kind of fades away. Yeah. And you want, mm, almost drooled in front of you guys, but it was coffee. And then you want the next thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like we're always looking for perfection and always like, because nothing here is going to be perfect, we realize that, and then we're like, oh, but maybe the next, we always tell ourselves maybe the next thing is going to be perfect, mm -hmm. and without realizing, oh, wait, nothing's going to be perfect in this world. I think a lot of us are looking for happiness, not realizing that we truly are happy if we just enjoy it and, and live in the moment, you know, like, and I see it all the time, and I really, the reason I wanted to talk about it is because I really think, like, the whole 18 to, like, 25-year-old age range, not just for you guys, but in general, for as long as I've paid attention to ages, struggles with this a whole lot. Is it a spiritual thing? Like, does God want you to be content? Mm -hmm. yes. Why? How do you know? Or give me reasons. Prove it. When it says, and uh, I forget the exact verse, but one of the epistles, it says, Godliness of contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. You just took one of my scriptures. Say it again. Godliness of contentment is great gain. Yeah. Just being content. Godliness and just being content. Like, it's great. Why, anybody else have anything to add? Do y'all think it's spiritual or like biblical to be content in life? Yes. Yeah. I asked them, not you. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> just like, why, why do you think so? Anybody. Somebody on this side of the room, like, I'm just going to, you, you look like you're very intelligent. Why do you think, do you think we should be content? Is that biblical? Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> you remind me of an old friend, so I'm just going to, like, call you out and go ahead. Well, um, our purpose here isn't for, like, worldly contentment, but, um, so that's like saying no matter where you stand in mm -hmm. life, like, your, your eyes are up, not down. Yep. Here's what, here's what I struggle with. Like, truly, I'm always looking for the next big thing. And mine is more like financially. Uh, because really, like, I'm married. I'm very... Hey, Friday was my 16th anniversary, by the way. So here's what I'll tell you. Find somebody who's, one, better looking than you. And two, that you really have fun with. and Because it, it feels like we've only been married like four or five years. But isn't that a good one? Like, trust me. I mean... But then, isn't 50% of the, of the population always going to lose on that one? Sure, but if you win, then you're good. Now, it doesn't matter what they look like. Find somebody that is like your best friend and that you play games with and like have fun with, and it just makes life fun. Like, I never feel bored or upset. So just find somebody you really love. Don't rush into marriage. Find the right person. Uh, 16 years. What was I talking about before that? Contentment. Contentment. So I'm content with my marriage and like I have three beautiful kids, content with my, 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 my family. I always want more though. Like I grew up really poor, grew up like um, we got free and reduced lunch, we had food stamps. I, we used to joke about having foster kid juice in our house even though we didn't have foster kids. I mean we were just, we were dirt poor y'all. And now that my family's kind of flipped that, broken that cycle, I just want to be super wealthy. I'm just gonna put it out there. Like I'm always looking for like, I don't ever want to have to worry about money. And in some ways it's because I know like, I don't ever want to have to worry about it. But in other ways it's because I just want more. Like we went to the beach with my parents and my brothers and had a blast a couple weeks ago. And I was having fun the whole time. I'm like, man, I'm gonna buy a rental house out here and I'm gonna make bank off of it. You know, that's where my thoughts are. And, and, and you know, when, when I get a job, you know, I'm all, or when I'm working, I'm always thinking, all right, what can I do to make, I'm gonna drive Uber at night to make extra money. Like, I don't need to be driving Uber, I got a family. But I think about that stuff. <laughs> it is good for you, but not for a family man. But you know, that, that really is my, that's my struggle. And I'm just putting it out there. And, and I don't really know why it is, but I just really, I want to be like super wealthy and I could be like, and I say it like this, I want to do it because then I could just send money to build a well in Africa and not have to worry about it. And I probably would do that, but that's not why I want to be rich, y'all. I'm just using that as an excuse. So there's a struggle. And, and I always go back to this and I, we're going to read a little scripture and then I'm going to tell you all about a friend who taught me just as much as this scripture. So Matthew 6... 31. You don't even have to turn there, but you can because we've all we've all heard this before. And uh, I cut and pasted. I did like the King James version. So if somebody has non King James version, read six thirty one through thirty four. I got it. King James is cool, but no, I'm trying to avoid it. It's all possible. Six six thirty one through thirty four. Okay. Uh, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat?" Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. 
Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Just be in the moment. Savor the day is what that tells me. Like live in the moment. And we all struggle to do that. So I'm going to tell you uh, about a friend of mine. You can put your Bibles back down because we're going to, we got some scripture at the end. But, but this friend taught me so much about contentment and I do so much better with it these days. And I think it is so important, guys, because I believe this is one of those spiritual things that the devil uses to just defeat us. Because if we're always looking for what's next, we're never satisfied with what we got. And you all know people like that. Not necessarily spiritually, but it could be wealth, it could be power, it could be whatever. There's always looking for what the next high is, meaning like the next purchase or the next whatever. And, and if you're always looking for what's next, you're never satisfied with where you're at. And that's such a, a terrible way to live. But I used to be horrible about it until I met a good friend. So I'm going to tell you about this friend. A friend of mine named Sarah Walker. Have any of y'all ever heard that name, Sarah Walker? Okay, good. Um, it's a good name, right? Uh, Sarah Walker was a, was, is, she was like my age. I think we were about one or two years apart. But Sarah was a, a young mom at the same time that we had our first kid. And, and uh, she had two boys. We had two girls at the time, and we became really good friends with this family. Cool family, um, and, we, and we started a Bible study with Sarah Walker. Sarah was a super quiet girl, great mom. She was a type where if she walked into a room, and this is going to sound ugly, you probably wouldn't necessarily remembered her unless you had a conversation with her, right? She was just kind of just, just kind of there, you know? She was just great. That sounded bad. She was just great, but she wasn't one that like stood out and was like, hey, you know. So Sarah was just a great person. When we started getting really close with Sarah, she was pregnant with, with her first daughter. She had two boys pregnant with her first daughter. At uh, seven months, she went to the hospital for like a checkup and they found out like her daughter was dead. Um, and she had to do something that no mother should have to do and that's deliver, you know, a dead baby. I mean, that's just one of the worst things you could ever think of. And that was kind of like when we started our, our, our Bible study together. It was right about that time. It was us, them, and another couple. And the thing about Sarah, she, she never like really was sad. She was sad about it, but she knew God had a plan. And, and she was convinced that God was going to work a miracle through this, the death of her daughter. Um, and she would always say that. Like, I remember the first Bible study together, there was like the elephant in the room, like, okay, her, she just had this huge thing. We're, are we going to just study like some scripture? And she just took over. And like, was just basically, the only way I can describe it is she like poured, she soaked us with like goodness. Does that make sense? Like, that's the only way I can describe it is like, we felt soaked with Jesus. Uh, and she made us feel like it's okay. She was like, God's got a plan. I'm going to see that girl. That daughter is going to, I'm going to be with my daughter soon. I'm not worried about that. But, you know, she just had this great attitude about it. So, two weeks later after the, the death of her daughter, Sarah had like real bad stomach pains. And they went to the ER. I'll never forget the call I got following that. Like, uh, I think it was one of her close, close friends called us and was like, hey, I just want you to know Sarah spent the night in the ER. Uh, they found cancer. And I was like, gosh, man, she's 30 years old. She's got cancer. And she was like, it's colon cancer, which is not good. And, and if, you, if you know anything about cancer, colon cancer is not a good cancer. Um, and, and it was stage four colon cancer, which is doubly not a good cancer. And she's 30 years old, no symptoms, no nothing. And we were all just floored. Like, here, this beautiful little, like, precious mom has stage four colon cancer. What in the world? So 
Um, and basically, for Sarah to survive, it was going to take a miracle. It was the only way to put it. And God worked a miracle through Sarah, but it's not like the miracle that, that necessarily we wanted to happen, if that makes sense. Um, but Sarah used this, and she decided that she was going to glorify God through, through her death. And, and, but her focus was this. She realized that she only had months with her kids. And she was going to use every minute she had of life to make it the best. And so Sarah was this girl who was real quiet, never stood out, and she always wanted to be a writer. So she decided she was going to start a blog on this website called Caring Bridges. It was like a cancer website. I'd never heard of it before, but you can update people on how your cancer is. And it turned out she was like this beautiful writer. She was writing about the symptoms and, and the cancer but when you read it, you were like, holy cow. I was like reading like a novel. It was just beautiful. And every time I read one of her blogs, it would, it would lift me up. I, you know, I know she'd be writing like, oh, man, I, I slept for two hours last night. And I was like puking the whole time. And, and, but God let me give my baby a kiss at night. And that's an awesome thing. Like she just had this amazing perspective. And, and she ended up getting like a huge following. People loved her writing. And so they ended up um, like shutting down the caring bridge because she kept like breaking the servers or whatnot because so many people started listening or started reading. And so they, her and a good friend started her own website called Savor the Day. And that's because that's what she was all about, savoring the day. Um, and, and, and when I would talk to her, her focus was on living in the moment. And, and I think you can't really truly experience that kind of living in the moment until you're going through something like she's going through. But she had this idea of like, I only got days, weeks, months, or a miracle. I'm going to love every minute I have. You know, the news came out and, and did all these like news articles about her. Or, or she was on the news a couple times. And the whole time she was like, you know, I just thank God that I was able to get up this morning. That was it. Or I thank God and, and that, that I was able to push my kids on the swing today. I, I didn't know if I'd be strong enough. And, and she was, you know, saying this on the news and in Carrying Bridge. And, and I'm telling you all, Sarah kind of took over Nashville at, for a little while. You know, I would go out and people would find out that I knew Sarah. And they'd be like, man, did you read her blog? And, and I was working as, a, at a, as an assistant at a school. And when people found out I knew Sarah, they'd be like, Man, I've been keep reading her blog every day for two weeks now. It's so amazing. Like she really captured the heart of a lot of people our age. One, because she's a young mom who was dying, uh, and two, because her words were beautiful. But but most importantly, she always made you feel like she was just kind of soaking you with with Jesus. I can't think of any other way to explain. It. I know that's a weird way to explain it, but that's how I felt around her. But but her intent the whole time was, man, we've got to savor the day. We've got to savor the day. We spend all our time looking for the next big thing, like, uh, okay, I, this is my starter house. In five years, I'm going to move to that house. Savor the day. You know, we, we spend all this time spiritually of like, man, when, when I'm able to, to, to get up early in the morning and read the Bible, my spiritual life's going to be so strong. But no, we need to back up and just live in the moment. And, and I think one thing that we struggle with in society and in, in America is just living in that moment. But Sarah, man, she taught me to just live in the moment. And, and, and you know, multiple times we would hang out and do this Bible study, and it was great. And, and really, she just took over. I felt like she was like... Um, 
like Jesus was sitting in the chair with her every time we had our Bible study, and she was just speaking through him. It was amazing. I, I, got, I was so blessed to be a part of that Bible study while she was going through that. And I know that sounds weird, but man, I'll never forget it. And, and uh, so, so we kept that Bible study going, and, and, and uh, she stopped coming. And we were like, all right, she's just kind of weak and not doing well. So our wives would go see her, but, you know, we were working. I didn't see Sarah for like three weeks. And uh, then I, her husband called me and was like, hey, Sarah really wants to have a worship service in our house. Can you preach for it? And I was like, sure. And so she, he gave me a list of people to invite. And so we invited like a bunch. It was all young couples. And he asked me to preach, which I thought, Oh, I'm going to give the best sermon of my life. Like, I worked on that thing for hours and hours. And I'm telling you, it was amazing. And, like, I rehearsed it. And I don't even remember even what the topic was. Right? And nobody does. It, two minutes after I spoke, nobody remembered what I talked about. But after, we, we, after my sermon, we started singing worship songs. And, and, and I looked around and I realized this was more than just, like, Sarah wanted us to get together and have a worship service. Her parents had come in, and her sister, who I'd never see, had come. And, and I looked around and I was like, oh, like, this is big. This is kind of, I don't know. And so we start singing songs, and, and Sarah's in, in a hospital bed in the middle of her living room, and we're all circled up around her, you know. And, and she just looked bad, meaning, like, she looked hollow and just not good. Um, and, and she was trying to remember a song that she wanted us to sing, and she couldn't remember it, and she was struggling. But we, we started singing this song, that song, When We All Get to Heaven, right? When we all, who's a good singer? How's that song go? When we all get to heaven. Y'all know that song? Yes. What a day of rejoicing, of rejoicing that will be. And, and so we're singing that song, and I'm telling you, the only way for this to happen is for God have to, like, just knocked us all at the same time because at some point in that song, and I don't know when, we were singing when we all get to heaven and it just morphed naturally to when Sarah gets to heaven. Like, and I get teary-eyed when I think about it. But we just started singing that and it just felt right. When Sarah gets to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And at this point, Sarah was crying and, and uh, you know, and uh, when Sarah meets Jesus, she'll sing for victory. I'll never forget that, y'all. Uh, and I don't know how it turned into that because it's kind of weird to do that when somebody's dying, I think, but, but it just felt right, and she loved it. Uh, and, you know, and, and it turns out like a week later, she, she, she went to heaven. Um, and one of the most impactful things I'll ever experience from Sarah was none of that. It was at her funeral. Her funeral was huge because she had captured Middle Tennessee. She really had. It was a great thing to be a part of. So they had like three churches that were simulcasting the funeral. And, and so Brentwood Hills was one. We were at Brentwood Hills. And, and so, um, you know, she, we had her service. And, and, and there's, you know, service, that's just a tough service for a 30-year-old mom. Like, there's not much happiness there. Um, but at the end, Walt Lever was doing it, and he, and he turned on a, mo a video. And it was Sarah. And she was kind of just talking to us. And it was not long. It was probably two or three weeks before she passed on. She was not. She was looking tough at the point. I mean, she looked like she'd been through a lot. And, and she was just, again, just soaking us with Jesus during this talk. The only way I can think of explaining it. But as she said something along the lines of, I learned through this disease to, to savor every moment. And she said, stop what you're doing. And she just did it just like that on this video. And savor the day every day. Because you never know when your last one is. And that was it. 
you know, and, and she turned it off. And, and one of the most impactful things that I can that I'll ever experience is Walt Lever. And when I say it, it kind of sounds cheesy. And y'all know who Walt Lever is? Like that's my preacher. I love that dude. David Young does not like it when I say that, but um, <laughs> Walt Lever's my preacher. Brentwood Hills. He's like the first preacher I ever heard, and I think he was speaking just to me. He didn't realize it, but. Um, Walt Lever, at the end of the sermon, said, I can't think of anything else to do except give Sarah a round of applause. Because she had changed the word. And that sounds so weird, like, like clap at a funeral. But all of a sudden, people just started clapping. And like, we gave her a 15-minute standing ovation. Sounds bizarre, right? But during this 15-minute standing ovation, there wasn't a dry eye. Like, it was what we needed to do to, to heal. Um, but I use Sarah Walker as an example of this. I, rem I use her to make sure that I have contentment in life because I am so quick to just look for what's next. And I think spiritually that just, I, I, it drills holes in our boat. My, my philosophy is this, is we all are like floating a boat and your boat is trying to get to heaven, right? And, and you don't want to be drilling holes in your boat or else you're not going to make it. And uh, I, I drill a lot of holes in my boat, y'all, but I think lack of contentment was my biggest hole and Sarah helped me fill that hole in by just knowing that man it doesn't matter none of that none of that crap matters what matters is Jesus and 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 the people that are around me and the people I love that they know Jesus you know I, I get that way all the time with my kids like should I put my kids in AAU basketball so they can keep up with the Joneses so they're good enough or like Ben my son is built like a Mac truck, I need to put him in football so he's good, you know, and so he knows how to... No, I need to make sure they know Jesus. Nothing else matters, y'all. So, um, hold on, make sure, because like I said, I told y'all I'm just going to start rambling on, and I didn't... Uh, that's my bad, but hopefully y'all enjoyed that little part. But uh, I, I, when I think about that, I think about the impact that Sarah made on our church and, and the, the idea of just living in the moment... And so Hebrews 13.5 is kind of my go-to scripture. So if y'all will turn to Hebrews 13.5. And for some reason, this is a scripture I need because of, of my struggles. But, but Hebrews 13.5 just says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And when I read that, what I hear is this, is like, just be content because you got Jesus. Nothing else matters. You know, one of the, the coolest things I ever heard in, in North Boulevard was Julie Young got up to, to talk about what we need to do with our, our kids. And she said, all you need to do is make sure they get an A in Jesus. And when she said that, I was like, okay, that's simple, but that's true. You know, if we're content with where we are, we, we got Jesus with us. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Uh, and, and so, do it. I believe God wants us to be in the moment. I think we can't lead others to Christ if we're not living and savoring the day. Uh, I can't think we can lead ourselves to Christ if we're not savoring the day. Um, so, any thoughts y'all got while I collect my thoughts? Because I'm still emotionally in my head, even though you can't see it on my face. Any thoughts anybody has? about living in the moment 
Well, I think living in the moment is a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Okay. I mean, there's like people that, you know, they always want to party and just live in the moment. That's a good point. A negative connotation. I just spit on you, sorry. That's a good point. So, if you're living in the mo if you're living in the moment for the right way, you're right. So you also have to think about your future. <laughs> true, true, true. Good point. Living, living in Christ in the moment. And when I say that, okay, so let me clarify because I can tell that my being older has has messed up. When I say live in the moment, what I mean is this: as I mean this, like not being trying to live for yourself, but living in the moment is. Alright, I'm here, I'm a 39 year old man who gets to teach a college class, I better teach the best dang college class I can. And not be thinking about, well, next semester I'm teaching a, a bunch of older people, they're more important than them. No, they're not, I like y'all so much more. Um, I really do. Um, but I need to live in this moment and make sure I teach the best dang college class I can, right? Like, live, savor in each moment you have. And, and if you're not living for Christ, then it doesn't matter <laughs> what you're savoring, you know what I mean? Good point, though. I'm glad you clarified that. Any other thoughts? All right. Noah. Oh, sorry. I can not. Is it late? No, you're good, man. Uh, I really like what you said earlier. I wrote it down. Um, like, we always, you were talking about, I think you're, no, not your beach house, something, but you were, you were talking about, like, always trying to justify mm -hmm. the thing we want. With by saying that like we we'll use it in this or that godly way, mm. I, I thought that that like that was really impactful. Mm. So. I I do that all the time. I justify things all the time because I'm gonna bless the world if I get this you know motorcycle. I, okay, I'm buying a so I never rode a motorcycle in my life. I turned 40 August 29th. I'm I I think I'm gonna buy a Harley, and it's not like <laughs> right, no, sir. it's not. It's not a, a midlife crisis. <laughs> what are you making fun of me? Oh, you should have played it. So, and, so I'm going to buy a Harley and I'm going to make my wife ride on the back of it and we're going to like drive to tennis, like Knoxville, go visit our, my new friend in Knoxville. But no, like really. Huh? I am buying a motorcycle. She's, she's saying that she wants to pencil you into the dictionary under midlife crisis. No, it's not. And you can disciple like motorcycle games. Thank you. I, but I'm. So my point is this. My point is this. I'm getting. I'm gonna get a Harley because I'm gonna use that to bless people, y'all. Like I'm a. I'm gonna take that Harley into the the underworld and bring them about. Je bring them Jesus. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Like the Harley, Hell's Angels, you know. Oh, like um, Ghost Riders. All right, focus. We got four minutes. Who distracted me? That was Noah's fault. I was incur. I was saying. Oh, you were. You're right. You're right. All right, so. It's it goes far beyond material things. It does. It and does. Money and success. It does. Far, far, far beyond it. And, mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, just contentment. When we, when we hear that, we think, okay, yeah, like. I really do eat every day and, you know, like, I have nice clothes or whatever, but whew, it's so much more than that. It, goes it is so like much more. Living, how do I say this, like, instead of what, even worrying about what others think of you tomorrow or when you go this place, when you go that place, that's not living in the moment because that's, that's putting your focus on mm -hmm. not just something in the future, but on a worldly matter mm -hmm. and it could have nothing to do with materials.
You know, one of the the one of the happiest, some of the happiest people I know throughout my adult life have been my custodians. Oh yeah. Happiest people I know have been custodians. Um, and there's no, uh, there's nothing wrong with being a custodian. Trust me, there are days where I'm like, I'm gonna become a custodian, so I don't have to deal with all these crazy parents, you know, or whatever. <laughs> being a custodian is a is a wonderful. But they they you know some of the happiest people I know have cleaned some of the grossest things in my school, and it's because they're content with who with where they're at. And, and so she said, like, if you realize how true and pure contentment can can just be a beautiful thing, you'd do it, you know, we'd all do it. So, so let's all focus on being content and living for the moment in a good way. Um, and uh, y'all, if you ever get a chance, I recommend like going and just Googling Sarah Walker with an H because truly she changed the lives of, of a lot of people my age, like a lot of her friends, with the idea of she taught us to stop worrying about what's next and focus on right now. Because we were in that age where we were all like 30 and getting our new jobs and promotions and we were all focused on getting the Harley or what it was. <laughs> but she told us, she taught us to stop and just chill and enjoy the moment. Man, and that's one of the most beautiful lessons I've ever been taught. So if you get a chance, just Google her. I guarantee you, you'll find her blogs and it is beautiful. Um, all right, thank you. I think it's time. Y'all have a great Sunday. Where's Andrew at, by the way? Where's Andrew at?